Hi, everyone, and thanks for joining us for a special installment of the Rocky Mountain Myrex Short Takes on Suicide Prevention podcast. I'm your host, Adam Hoffberg, and we are reporting in from the American Association of Suicidology 2018 conference. And today's installment is a special release that is in honor and to support the lived experience movement. Um, We got a chance to sit down with individuals who have lost a loved one to suicide. We got a chance to talk to individuals who have survived a suicide attempt. And I want to take a moment to honor those that we've lost to suicide and dedicate this to my dear friend Allison and to all those that we've lost to suicide. Thanks for joining us today, and we hope you enjoy the episodes. Hi, everybody. We're here with the Rocky Mountain Myrex Short Takes on Suicide Prevention podcast, and I'm joined by DeQuincy Lazine. And today we're going to talk a little bit about his work with AAS. And first of all, just tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got involved with AAS and why this uh, mission is important for suicide prevention. Sure. So I got involved um, after my own suicide attempts in college, um, and that kind of pointed me in the direction of getting uh, more engaged with uh, promoting suicide prevention as a topic that needed to be um, taken more seriously. Um, At the time, there was also a national movement um, that was going on to try to push the country in the direction of recognizing suicide as a, a national priority. Um, So I ended up getting involved in the advocacy effort at that national level as well as starting a student chapter of that advocacy group um, at my college campus. Um, And basically we wanted to have the voices of people who were youth as well as the voices of people who have had their own um, experiences, um, which we would call lived experience, um, have those voices be represented at the table when folks were talking about doing prevention. Excellent. And tell us a little bit about the AAS uh, Lived Experience Division. Yes. So the division is, is relatively new. Um, I guess it's been up for about three and a half years. Um, and it, uh, I think the student division now is the newest one. But before that was the Lived Experience Division. So it's pretty new. Um, and the goal is to try to get resources um, around um, helping people who have their own suicidal experiences, as well as promote collaboration between the different divisions. And so ways to try to get clinicians and researchers and people who have their own experiences, as well as those who have lost somebody to suicide, get them all into the same room talking and get them all at the same table and um, hopefully be able to have the kind of productive dialogue that helps to push suicide prevention even further forward. Excellent. Yes, very important. And for those that may not be as familiar with lived experience as a term within suicide prevention, what do we mean when we use the term lived experience? So lived experience really captures uh, a range of um, experiences that somebody has had uh, when they have reached kind of the depth of pain that reaches suicidal intensity. Um, So it would go everywhere from uh, having thought seriously about taking your own life up through having attempted suicide. Mm-hmm. And sometimes when I hear lived experience, I also think of it as lived expertise. Uh, wh- what does that mean? So we, we think about that in terms of um, kind of combining the lived experience perspective 
um, along with having skills and knowledge that can be applied both together to try to affect some change. So usually it would be in a clinical context or in a prevention context. And so you're kind of drawing from both of those types of expertise, the professional side as well as the um, personal experience side and putting those together. With your work that you're doing in suicide prevention, do you consider that you have lived expertise? I would definitely consider it that way because I started the term. <laughs> Excellent. Well, that's so great. So, you know, let's dive a little bit into how you're applying that lived expertise in your home area of Fresno, California. Tell us a little bit about the model of public health and suicide prevention that you're building in your community. Okay. So I mentioned that I had gotten my start in advocacy um, as a college student, and then I went in the direction of psychology and particularly psychology research. Um, and my goal the entire time, though, was being able to take um, what we know about the methods for studying a particular problem and use that to push programs forward that were um, working with suicidal people or working in the suicide area. And so then I got my training um, in clinical psychology and then added to that with uh, postdoctoral training in prevention and public health and epidemiology. And now I'm taking all of that information, um, all of those different perspectives and different ways to analyze a problem, um, as well as my own personal experience with um, suicide and suicidal ideation and suicidal thinking and suicidal experiences and suicide attempt. And um, so combining all of those together to try to uh, make a strategy for Fresno County that takes into account the uh, data that we have about suicide and suicidal behavior within Fresno County, as well as the priorities and the suggestions of people who are the clinicians and providers, uh, as well as taking into account perspectives of folks who are in law enforcement and the schools and justice systems. And so kind of combining all these community perspectives together so that the community kind of owns it and we can have a comprehensive approach where everybody is all together pushing forward towards suicide prevention. Does this local strategy align with the national strategy for suicide prevention? Yes, it does. And it helps that I helped with that one too. <laughs> um, I was actually on the um, expert panel for the first um, national strategy um, blueprint um, that happened um, based in the Reno conference back in 1998. Um, so I, I followed really that um, public health model um, and creating kind of from the, uh, from the data and from the knowledge that we have, what kind of uh, strategies might be able to speak to the problems that we've that we have, right? And so creating goals and objectives out of that and then sending it back out into the community to create programs um, that might be able to accomplish those things. And so having that really systematic approach that starts from what we know and what we don't know and then combining that with what we are currently um, have the ability to address with our programs and then putting those together with trying to get the funding to uh, put those things in action as well as track the outcomes so that you know if you're having an impact or not and then you can make adjustments if you are not. It's uh, so important, as you mentioned, that you're bringing in input from all these different levels of the community, different stakeholders from across many different systems. Anything more you wanted to say about that? I, I think if you look at um, the guidance that's come from a lot of the national organizations that have studied this, um, across different fields of prevention, not just in suicide, 
Um, everybody says that having a comprehensive approach is what's needed to actually move the needle on a problem. And you can't just have uh, folks who have the ideas out of one particular category is usually not going to solve the problem. If it did, then we would have solved the problem by now because everybody's trying something different. Uh, what we really need to do in order to really um, make changes at that level, at the community-wide level, is to have a comprehensive approach. So we talk a lot about building these strategies. Can you give us an example of a strategy that's been implemented and, and, and been evaluated and shown to work and why this, you know, why this is then important to replicate across other communities? Sure. I think one really great example is what they did in the U.S. Air Force um, a little while ago. And one of the things that was um, particularly useful about it is that they did use that comprehensive approach um, so they had a lot of different parts that were involved in it to try to um, train people who were uh, dealing with airmen and women directly, train people who were kind of in the middle of that, uh, train people who are in the commanding staff, um, as well as having some peer aspects and having clinical approaches. So they really wanted to do a comprehensive approach, um, and they rolled that out across the entire Air Force. And um, what uh, my mentor actually um, in postdoc um, did the research on it, and it showed a significant drop in the um, number of suicides. It actually also had an um, impact on the number of accidental deaths and then um, in the number of, I think, severe domestic violence instances. So it really had an impact on the mental health of the entire community. Um, one of the problems, though, is when that happens and you have such a sustained drop, um, they kind of got to the point where they were a little bit complacent um, and figured, you know, we don't really have as much of a suicide problem anymore. Um, and when they did that, then the suicide rate went back up. Um, and then they realized that they still had to keep putting um, effort into this. It had to be kind of a continuing thing um, to have the sustained impact that they wanted to have. Um, and so when they did that, then the suicide rate went back down. What could you sort of uh, imagine or envision as a future if, if every local community was building a strategy and enacting that plan? I would think that uh, everybody would have kind of the uh, ability to look at um, what suicidal behavior looked like in their area. Um, and what that means is knowing how many deaths and suicide attempts um, there are and how many people are considering suicide and who those people are. Um, so that way you, you know where to try to make outreach um, and you know more about where they are within the county. So we're looking at geography as well. Um, and from there, make strategies that uh, particularly address those local issues and the local way that suicide is presenting um, in that particular county or in that particular state. Uh, and that way we could address what really needs to be addressed as opposed to just addressing things that somebody had a good idea about. That's really uh, great work that you're doing in Fresno, California. Any uh, final thoughts around that? Um, I, I just want to thank everybody who is currently out there working in suicide prevention and working in behavioral health. It takes a lot of heart to do that, um, and it takes a lot of um, personal energy um, to be able to sustain working in that field. So I just want to thank everybody who's doing that. Absolutely, and I second that. And just uh, on a closing note, how can folks reach out to you if they want to learn more or get connected or ask you additional questions about how you're going about this strategy in your community? Maybe they're interested in doing something in their area. Probably the best way is through the American Association of Suicidology. Um, all the people who are 
listed on the board, and so that includes all of the um, directors of different divisions, all the chairs of different divisions, um, are listed there on the site, as well as our contact information and kind of more about what those particular divisions um, might be addressing. Excellent. Well, thank you, DeQuincy. Thank you.